Would you please grab your Bible and turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. <laughs> Amen. Matthew chapter 5. So I've got a sermon title, a series that I'm going to be speaking on the next uh, couple of weeks. Um, usually I don't do a full series, but this is a, a series called The Four Sermons That Changed Christianity or Shaped Christianity. Um, whatever you want to call that. But there were four different sermons that were preached um, right in the beginning of where Christianity started. You've got to understand Christianity encompasses Judaism or the Old Testament, but Christianity as the followers of Christ started from Christ onwards. We uh, can't go into all of that detail, and I don't want to bore you because you didn't come here for Bible school, you came to church, but in the context of biblical history is that the Jews were the ones who were called out through Abraham. God called Abraham and formed the Jewish nation out of Abraham. And out of Abraham, that's always the, the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Though we have history of mankind, mankind came from Adam and Eve and the progression of what that is, but the Israel, the nation of Israel or the Jews as we know them today started from Abraham and progressed through. Christianity is birthed from Jesus through the disciples into a man by the name of Paul who used to be Saul. He then went to the Gentiles Peter also had a bit of a stint with some, some Gentiles, but that was preached out of Israel, went into the world, and from there we now have Jesus in Strand. <laughs> it's, uh, that's where Christianity started. So we've got to understand when Jesus dies and he's raised, everything turns. Jesus, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and the only, listen to that word, the only way unto the Father. There's not multiple ways to God, and you cannot get to God because you're a Jew. Jesus is the door. So that's why Paul says there's no more Jew, there's no more Greek, there's no, there's no more specific um, lineage or any of those things. If you're Christian, you get to God through Jesus Christ, the price he paid. The Jews, who is a special nation and has a lot of great things, but they don't have a back door to God. They're not more special than you. They need Jesus. They believe in some, in some God. They believe in what that is, but it's an old biblical, Old Testament God. And from that context, you have to understand, God is not Old Testament anymore. God, who in Christ has made, reconciled man to himself, and God has become one with man. Different God, different perspective, different time. We, we, we can't, we're in 2022, right? We can't go back to 1933. That's gone. We can't undo cell phones now. Go back to tring, tring. Normal as a belief. And they, you know, those old switchboards where they used to, and then they can listen in on your call. We can't go back there. It's done. It's over. It's finished. It's, it's completely new. The same way you cannot go back on the fact that you're saved. You're born again. You're changed. You're renewed. All, all is brand new. You're now one with God and God is one with you. You're a born again spirit. You cannot undo your natural birth, right? 
I can go and live in London and, and say, I don't know why London, but anyway, I can go live in the Bahamas. Let's go a little cooler place. I live in the Bahamas, lie in a hammock and say, I'm not a Basson. But every single day I look in the mirror, I want to see Dave Basson. <laughs> you understand the context is that you've been born again. So just a little bit of biblical history. So when we talk about the four sermons that shaped or changed Christianity, that shaped Christianity. Um, there are these four sermons that are very significant, and one of them, at the start of it, is Jesus on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount. Well, I've seen, you remember Bible school or Sunday school on Sermon on the Mount. That's first sermon. Massive sermon and changed mankind. Listen, you're Jews who grew up in religious mindset, who from a young age is taught the Torah. They hear about Abraham. They hear about faith. They they have all these different aspects of religiosity. They know that the priests, the Pharisees, Sadducees, wish you could see, never sees, all these guys were around. So these guys were all there, very religious. And Jesus gets on a mountain and preaches something that shifts everything. Then right after that, another Jewish boy called Peter gets up on the day of Pentecost and preaches something so significant that 3,000 people get saved in one moment. It's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Peter preaches and everything changes. Christianity is birthed in one moment when one man gets up. They're empowered by the Holy Spirit. And from there, every tongue and nation was represented in Jerusalem that day. So that was a specific moment when something was preached and what he said in that moment was significant. Then they realize they need extra help and they get a few deacons with them and one of those deacons is a man by the name of Stephen. And Stephen gets up and preaches a sermon so significant that when the people hear it, the Bible says they were cut to their heart and in that moment they got so angry that they picked up stones and killed Stephen because of what he preached. That's wild. So what he said was probably significant. Many people were moved by it. And in that moment, there's a piece that happens. It says, and heaven opened and Jesus was standing as Stephen got stoned. The first martyr. The change of Christianity. In that moment and from that moment forward, Christians were then killed and um, persecuted, and they ran for their lives. Thank you, Jesus, we're not living in that circumstances, where carrying a Bible means your death sentence. So Stephen preaches, and who's standing at the close of those who are killing him? Saul. Saul would then become Paul, and Paul would then go into the world and go to a place called Athens and get on a piece of rock. And I've been privileged to be in Jerusalem, to experience a little of that, and being in Athens on that piece of rock in the midst of all idol worship, Paul gets up and preaches Acts 17, one of the most profound sermons ever preached, and shifts things in Asia and Europe. And at that moment, God turned everything around. And revival floods Europe, revival floods Africa, everything starts going in Asia, and Christianity is moved by four different sermons. And we've got it like those four sermons shaped 
Christianity, those four sermons shifted the earth and heaven's different atmospheres and forever broke the gates of hell. We've got to get what they're saying, and that's why I'm, I'm into the Scripture today. It is impossible to preach three chapters in a half an hour. Well, 15 minutes now. It's impossible. I, I cannot do that. But I want to encourage you is to go and read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And I'll leave you the keys to what that is, because we have to have an understanding that every single one of you, and this is where I want to get today a little bit out of the perspective of what I'm preaching and going forward, is that every one of you is having a human experience. Your life is different than the one sitting next to you. Listen, man, I, I know David and Patrice, I know they love each other a lot. I know Doreen and Nathaniel, I think they love each other. No, I'm kidding. They love each other very much. But I do believe that in both these couples that I'm using examples, though they love each other so, 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 so much, they still do not know their own, the other one's thoughts. Only God knows your thoughts. There's only one connection is you and God, and your experience and your growth is different than the one sitting next to you. You can be living in the same house, but have different ways and different life and different um, growth pattern of what it is to God, how God is leading you, what you're going through, what life is for you, your uh, um, level of, of, of trauma as you experience trauma sometimes is different than somebody else's. Or say in counseling that uh, if I take this water bottle and push it up against your head, it doesn't mean that somebody, like somebody else will think, like, that's ridiculous, it's just a water bottle. But to you in that moment, maybe that is trauma, and it could be just a plastic gun, a little water bottle. We can't determine what somebody else is going through, what they're going through, and how they're going through. Because in this life right now, everything goes. We're living in the most freest time ever in society, ever in, in history. But we have the highest amount of people depressed, the highest amount of suicides, the highest medicated people in the like ever in society. Prozac is doing well. <laughs> it's the freest time, but everybody is on medication. Everybody's dealing with antidepressants. I'm not against antidepressants. I'm not against medication, but I'm saying that something about where we're at, how we live life, is not working. And I'm not just talking about the church, I'm talking worldwide. So how we express this, how we do this thing, is not an internal journey, it's an external journey. And that's almost kind of productive, right? Because here's the thing, is Romans, oh sorry, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. What I'm saying to you today and what I am bringing as, a, as an argument or a suggestion or a, a, a word from God is that what Jesus is now going to preach in these four sermons as we look over it is taking the focus away from you and moving it to a Savior and a Lord. Because there's two aspects of who He is. He's the Savior of my soul. He's the Savior of my spirit. But He's also Lord of my life. And so when I look unto Jesus, He's the author and finisher of my faith. A lot of time when our, our experience of how we're walking is we're walking it according to my, my past. I'm walking it according to my traditions. I'm walking it according to being South African. Or African. Or whatever nationality you're from within Africa or across the world. And so 
And I know it's a long intro, but you've got to get the understanding and the knowing that when Jesus confronts people in Matthew chapter 5, when he preaches this sermon, he's preaching to thousands of Jews who's had a human experience. <laughs> You're a spirit born into a body having a human experience. You're on this planet walking every day. Life. So he's preaching to these Jews who's come through a lot. Right now they're in Roman occupation. Romans are occupied um, Israel. They've been through history of going, coming from, from Egypt. They've had Babylonian, but they have had wars. They've had great kings and a lot of bad kings. This prophecy of a Messiah coming that would save them, in their mind they're hoping for a Moses that's going to get rid of the Jews, or the, 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 the Romans. And Jesus comes with them having a lot of knowledge and preaches something that shifts their entire understanding and their way of living. And what he does is he brings the, about a few things that in that moment shifts eternity. He's not just declaring something that's just being to the group of people in front of him. No, he's releasing something that he says, if you look at what I'm saying and what I'm putting in this piece of Scripture, in these three chapters of the sermon, it's going to change the world. It's going to be the key for you to live life to the fullest. Now, some of the stuff that Jesus says in there is not for you to live exactly to that, but to show you that in your own eyes you, or in your own ability, you cannot be your own Savior. You think you, you're, I'm the greatest husband, I can do this thing. Because he talks about divorce in there. He talks about hatred. He talks about different aspects of life. And he says, well, I'm, I'm perfect. I can do all of this. Now, I, I've got this thing figured out. I can, I can put him up. Then he goes and says, oh, you think you've got it figured out? Even if your heart said to somebody, you're stupid, you killed that person. Oosh. Then all of us are serial killers. Welcome, this is not the AA, this is the serial killer gathering. Uh, all of you have killed multiple peoples in your mind, and God says that is as good as if you've killed someone. How many times have you called somebody stupid? So Jesus is not telling you how does not to say stupid anymore. He's trying to show you that in your ability, in your own strength, you cannot do this human experience. You cannot live this life on your own thing. Just when you think you've got it, you're perfect, you're going to do this whole thing, you're going to be able to be a great husband, a great father, great. I'm telling you the opposite happens and you realize you're failing at it. Because you need a Savior and you need to put your eyes on Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. So let me touch on a few things quickly here. Matthew 5, we'll read you from verse 1. And seeing the multitude, he went up on a mountain, and when he had seated, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is interesting. He, do, he doesn't start off by going, blessed are the very, 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 very good, motivated, on fire, poor in spirit. What is the word poor in spirit? We're making it in layman's terms easy to understand. What is, what is poor in spirit? That doesn't mean you should be poor. It means from the place of wanting. Blessed are those who want, for they shall inherit the kingdom. Blessed are those who want. I want more of God. Okay, well, you're going to have more of God. 
You don't want it, you're not going to get it. You don't desire it, it's not going to come your way. You don't desire God's presence, you're not going to feel His presence. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You might have heard other, other explanations of that. To me, the context of that is there is a spirit inside of me that goes, Lord, I don't have it all figured out. I cannot have it all figured out. I need your guidance. I need you as shepherd of my life, shepherd of my heart. I, I am not perfect in any aspect. You see me as perfect, but I need you to be perfect. Do you hear the perspective? Listen to what he goes on to say. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Yo, what is he equate blessing? To the mourning. Wow. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Oh, I thought it's got it all fired up and I got all the right sayings and I've watched all the motivational sermons and motivational speakers. I'm going to inherit it. I'm going to name it, claim it, frame it. I'm going to put out my dream board and I'm going to have all the things, a Ferrari, a seven-story, 11-bedroom, five-bathroom house. Dream board. I'm going to name it, claim it. No, what he says is his meekness. What is the ultimate form of meekness? If we look at Scripture, it says, Receive with meekness the implanted Word of God. The fullness of meekness is a place where I'm open to hear and experience and receive God's Word. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Excuse me, did I just read? Did he talk about heaven or did he talk about earth? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit what? The earth, Les. The earth. Ah, it. The earth. No, no. Did you read the, the earth? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Where are we now? Do we, have we fully inherited this earth? No, we're still subject to it. And everything that happens, the Christians are the ones being clapped around. Whatever happens, we're like, oh. And then we have prophets. I'm like, I don't know why I did that, but anyway. <laughs> then we have these prophets who are prophesying evil stuff, saying, oh, there's a big tsunami coming, and the tsunami's going to hit us, and this stuff is going to happen to us, and, and we just accept it. Jesus gets in a boat and calms storms. Shouldn't we be different? The earth is ours, but we're not receiving it. How do we receive the earth? How do we walk in the fullness on the earth? How is the world seen in what the fullness is? He says, blessed are the meek. Well, they shall inherit the earth. There's meekness in what he sings here. Like I can preach a whole sermon on that. Blessed are those who hunger. This is what I want to touch on quickly. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. It doesn't say blessed are those who hunger and thirst for blessing. Ooh, hey, no. Yo, drop the mic on that one. Blessed or those who hunger and thirst for what? Righteousness. Righteousness is a position. My right to be a son. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Listen. Maybe you've been hungry before. Yeah, come on. You've had some hunger days. I'm not talking about skipping lunch and then being hungry. I mean like having an entire day where you haven't eaten. Or maybe two or three days. Or you fasted and you're about to break your fast. Who's been there? Who's had those fasts? You go in a maybe a one day. Maybe some of you have just only done a one day, two day, three day. Done a seven. I remember the first time I pushed for seven days. When I broke that fast, I ate three big plates. I went crazy. Like, it was not. It was not a good moment. But I ate pasta till it came out of my ears. 
I was so hungry, I just wanted to take everything in that moment. He says, who hunger and thirst. Who, you've been thirsty. For what? Righteousness. You know, you hunger. Listen, you're already righteous. But my hunger determines the level of my understanding. Come on, I'm just going to drop the bomb on it. My hunger determines my level of understanding. Because when I'm hungry for it, when I'm pushing into it, I want to really understand it. When I'm filled and I walk, listen, you had a good meal. You were down here at Bossa on half price night. You got a burger for 50 bucks. You promised someone I ate two burgers. Spur used to have that special. Do you remember that? Two for the price of one. Yes, duck gefriert. There's no other word for it. And you walk past the smell of food. Are you hungry? No, you don't even look at the food. <laughs> I, can't, I can't eat anymore. But you go hungry to a buffet. <laughs> and you're like, yes! Did you, did you see? I go first to the, to the section with the sweets. And I'm like, did you see that, that ice cream? Did you see that cake? That's me. I'm like, whoa! I'm like, Lord, give me the ability to accompany this opportunity. That's hunger. That's hunger for something when you're going like, Lord, I'm really hungry and thirsty to understand righteousness. Because now somebody reads a scripture and I'm hungry for the word of God. And I hear the word righteous or sonship or blessing or God's word. And I'm just going, wow, what was that? What did you say about Jesus? What I'm hungry and thirsty for what? Righteousness. My hunger determines my understanding. If I'm hungry for God, I'm gonna, I'm, I want to understand more. I want to know more. I, my, my knowledge is moved by my hunger and my desire for more of Him. He says, that's where the blessing's at. This is showing I, I don't feel God as much. Well, listen, sometimes you don't need to feel anything. Sometimes you just need to get up and go. You know, I haven't been moved by it. Well, listen, it's not about that. Just get up and go. I was listening to this guy talk about somebody saying, well, I don't have time to exercise. Well, you have time to get up and walk to the fridge, right? <laughs> Woo, yesterday. Let me not go there. So maybe you need to go to the fridge and do some lunges and squats right there in front of the fridge. You had the time to walk, so maybe take a few jumps, do a little something. Listen, we sometimes faith needs to do a little something. Sometimes the hunger and thirst need to be from a place like, I might not feel it yet, but here's the power. And I heard Bill Johnson say this, this is so powerful. You get more hungry and thirsty the more you eat of the Word of God. It's the opposite than in the natural. In the natural, the more you eat, the less hungrier you become. But in the spirit, the more you eat, the more you come to prayer, the more you allow God to move in your life, the more you put Him first. Because in, Ma in Matthew 6, He reveals something so profound when He talks about the prayer. He goes to verse 33. He says, seek the kingdom first. Jesus is preaching. He's releasing the stuff. Our time's almost done. Uh, it's impossible. But I'm going to have to do this more <laughs> on the next time. But listen what he says here. Blessed are the peacemakers. Oh, no, wait, let's read verse 7. He says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Woo! We want mercy for ourselves, but yes, we don't have mercy for others. Ouch, Aina. Amen. <laughs> Blessed are the merciful. Sometimes I'm going to live in mercy. But Sean, you don't know what they did. Well, the Bible says, pray, love your enemies. Yes. Listen where he goes on. He says, yeah, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see 
God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You know what's pure in heart? Romans says, be innocent, Romans 16, be innocent of evil. You know, so many times we just want to know all the bad stuff. We know all the demon, all the things. We consume our thoughts with things that are, that are of this world and evil and bad and, and wrong and negative. Pure in heart, it's like, I am innocent of evil. Do you know that guy just stole from you? Really? Okay. Love believes all things. Did you give money to that guy? Do you know what he's going to do with the money? I don't know, but God told me I must give it. Love believes all things. He says he's from Kimberley and he's on his way to Uppington. But he first came to Cape Town for a holiday. And so, you know the stories, come on. I've had them, I get them here every day at the gate, coming in. This is happening, that's happening. Pure of heart goes, I believe you. But I also trust God that when God speaks to me, he says, don't give now. I go, okay. I listen to Because I'm, I'm taking all the negative out of the heart of what we believe and what we don't believe and what we say and what we don't say. If I'm allowing that thing to have a negative effect in my life, I'm not doing it anymore. Listen, we don't preach against certain things, certain addictions or certain stuff. But if that thing is causing you to have not a pure heart or to be in a place where it's causing a, a, um, a blockage between you and God or it's moving and distracting you, get it out of your life. If the light can't shine in it, then you're not standing where the light is. Then get it out of your heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Woo! Come on. Did you hear where he's starting off and where he's ending at? Blessed are the peacemakers. And sometimes Chris, all Christians want to do is fight and prove that they're right. Sometimes, you know, I've been in conversations where I know I can give you the opposite of what you're saying right now, but I'm just going to be quiet right now. Because what it's going to help is it's going to create a fight. And in that fight, what's that going to help? Nothing. Because I'm going to seek peace. And I'm going to bring from a place of peace. No, I'm not going to back down on what I believe. It doesn't say, blessed are those who are uh, doormats, for they shall be trampled on and receive Jesus. I'm not a doormat. I'm not a, I'm not. No, I'm a peacemaker. And I seek peace, but I do stand for my position of who I am in Christ. I want to be a peacemaker. I don't have to prove that I'm right in everything. It goes on to say, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for, the king, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You're persecuted for what? Righteousness' sake. Not persecuted just because you're arrogant. Or because you're, you know, sometimes you're getting persecuted for some stuff because you were just full of yourself. And now you're saying, yo, yo, I'm getting persecuted. And the Bible says, I'm blessed because I'm persecuted. No, you're just being persecuted because you were just being stupid. You're having that situation at work because you were just being arrogant. Or you were being late. Or you didn't do your job. No, it's persecution. No, it's not persecution. You weren't doing your job. Oh, I, I didn't expect a lot of amens on that one. Because sometimes we, we want to equate everything that goes wrong as something as the devil. And most of, some of the time, most of, some of the time, it's just you. 
It's just you not doing your job or doing that thing or just being rude. And now nobody likes you. They don't want to be your friend because you gossip. Amen went, I'm being persecuted. You know, nobody wants to be my friend. I'm being persecuted. No, it's you gossip. You just talk about everybody and nobody trusts you anymore. Can God restore that? Yes. Walk in forgiveness. Be a peacemaker and change your ways. And allow God to be the one that rules your heart. Because you're pure in heart, you'll see God. Stop talking. It says, for righteousness', righteousness sake. So what Jesus does, and I'll end with this, because, I mean, there's, we read a few lines. There's an entire sermon in this book. Three chapters where he shapes the way we live, how we live, and how to live in victory. That he is my Savior, and that in the essence of who I am, I need the fruits in my life. I need the Holy Spirit. I need Jesus. I need a hunger and thirst after righteousness. There's something about what I need to do to put myself in the position of blessing. Listen, if you're sitting, I remember this, going to certain concerts or, or, uh, or a sports event, or when I was a kid, seeing, uh, I remember there was a program called Airwolf. Can anybody remember Airwolf? I'm giving my age. Younger people are like, what wolf flying in the air? What are you talking about? Airwolf, this chopper, this amazing thing, and, and Knight Rider, Kit. So when Kit and Airwolf came to South Africa, we were in Johannesburg, and man, as a little boy, all I wanted to do is see this car that has this little red light and that can talk. And it was the coolest car, Michael Knight, Knight Rider. And so when I got there, there's all these people. So I, now what am I going to do? I'm going to stand there and not see it? No, I'm going to position myself to see the car. I'm not going to miss this opportunity. I'm not going to get it. No, I'm going to get myself into a position where I can have the full glory of seeing Kit. And I wangled and pushed myself like Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus said, like, I need to see Jesus. I've been hearing rumors about this guy. I heard about what happened to Matthew. I heard what happened to one of the other tax collectors, and it, he gave it all up for this Jesus. I've heard those rumors. I need to find what's going on. So he got there, and he's a short guy, and probably everybody was like, we don't want to be around this dude because he is the chief tax collector. So what does he do? He says, I'm not going to miss this opportunity. Where's a tree? I'm going to climb up a tree because I want to see this Jesus. I've heard stories about this guy, and I know that when I just get a glimpse of him, and he might look up and see me, my whole world's going to change. I don't know what it's going to be like, but I'm going to possession myself. I'm going to make a way to get that in with God. And I find that when we grow with God, we don't get to a place. We sometimes become so, so nonchalant about it, so mediocre about it, so, there's another beautiful word. I can't think of the word right now. Complacent. The God's been singing, Sean, climb a tree, man. See what I'll do. Hunger and thirst for me a little bit more. Go deeper in that hunger for what I want. Because, listen, I know some of the Bible. I don't know all of it. But you know what? I might know the different things. I might know where it fits in. But if I'm not spending time in it, I'm not growing in it. If I'm not spending time worshiping, I'm not growing in it. I'm not spending time in prayer, I'm not growing in it. It's not about getting those things to make God move. No, it's getting me to move. It's growing me because now I know. Once you know, you can't change it. 
There's this old story that I heard many years ago, and I've used it as an example, and I'll end with it. These two guys are out in the field, and they, they're, they're brying, and they're frying uh, after they've had some, put the fire on. They're doing some marshmallows over the flames. Who likes that? Some of you like that? I love it. It's so good. Sit there with the marshmallows, and the one is from the city. He's never seen an open, open fire before in his life. So he's doing the marshmallow, and it falls into the fire, and he wants to put his hand in, and his friend slaps him. Are you crazy? It's hot, man. That will burn your hand. So he says the following, I believe, I believe you. Okay, cool, I won't do it. Friend walks away, he's brying. Before he gets himself, the marshmallow drops again, it's in too long. He puts his hand in and grabs the hot marshmallow in the fire. And as he pulls it out, he is screaming like a baby. Because his hand's on fire, marshmallow's burning, it's crazy. And his friend says, and now he says, now I know it's hot. A lot of us are just at a play. If you hear the word Sunday after Sunday, you go like, I believe that. Do you know it? Do I know that he's good? If I put it to the test, am I, am I pushing a little bit into it? Am I hungry and thirsting after it? Because I'm telling you, when you do that, you grow. I'm not doing prayer because I want to shift God. No, I'm doing prayer because I want to shift me. I want to change me. I want to grow me because I know that's the place that's going to take me out of my circumstances into the blessing. That's going to position my heart to see the night rider. That's going to position my heart to have the airwolf. Like I'm going to push through. I'm going to climb some trees. I'm going to push through some people to grab hold of, not because he's far away, but because he's making me grow. He's developing me. He's pushing me deeper. Just say, I want to show you something in 2022 that you didn't see in 2021. So let's pray. Would you stand with me? The church was filled with all these seeds from last week, and there was a profound sermon as, as Henny speaking about the seed and adding light. So I picked up a bunch and then put them in my Bible, and I was like, I'm going to make a considerable effort to plant some spiritual seeds in my life. I want to sow some, some words that are different. I'm going to make some time. Because you don't... You don't Wake up one morning and you want to harvest, but you never put seed in the ground. I'm not just talking about finances. I'm talking about my words, my actions. I'm going to put some, to put some words in the ground that is going to shift the next 10 years of my life or what I declare and what I believe. I'm going to find some scriptures on, on, on certain things that I'm going to actively be declaring over my life. And I'm getting ready for a harvest on the seeds that I've sown with my words, my deeds, and my finances. Let's see what God's going to do. So right there we stand. Would you just close your eyes for a moment? I know I've spoken a little bit longer, touched on some stuff today, but we cannot do church in a way that is just hearing a little bit of word, it's a nice word, and I feel a bit moved, it inspired me a little bit, but it doesn't change me. The Spirit of God doesn't touch my heart or I experience Him, and I want you in this moment to realize that God is in this place. Right there where you're standing, I want you to become aware of His presence. Ninguém está com o direito a se ter
See, one touch of his presence is better than a thousand sermons. One experience with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Presence. Presence. Your presence. Your presence. Thank you, Jesus. I felt this morning as I was waking up, I was like, Lord, when do you want to release a word? And I found this morning, right now, God gave me this word. Is it some of you, he's, he's, he's shaking you loose this morning. Some of you have gotten stuck, you've been walking. Listen, it's not your entire life that's stuck. You've just been walking in mud for so long. And you've been standing in that position of where the mud is, that the mud's gone dry around you. And so your feet stuck. And your heart, you want to see it. Your life, you want to see it. You, want, you, you believe there's something, you got, but you're stuck. You're stuck. And so this morning, I want to come in the Spirit and prophetically, I want to get you unstuck. In the Spirit, I want to break off that mud. I want to break it off of your feet this morning. And I want to say, I'll loose that right now in the name of Jesus. You're going to start running. You're going to start walking like never before. You're going to leap and jump and shout like never I want to get the, the oldest because what has happened is your experiences over the last couple of years has gotten you stuck. Because all you're seeing is the things that you've lost, the things that are not happening, and the devil is getting you focused on what you don't have instead of what you do have. Devil getting you focused on what you, you could have had, but now you're not looking at what you have in your hand. You're looking at time. You're looking at your finances. You're looking at your debt. You're looking at your inability. You're looking at your lack. And God says, I want to shake that loose around your feet, and I want to get you dancing again. I want to get you praising again. I want to get you moving again. I want to get you on fire again. I can feel there's such a release in the Spirit right now. Because I want to release your dreams like never before. I want to get you experiencing me when you wake up in the morning. Man, you've gotten cold a little bit, but I haven't left you for one moment. It's just the experiences that got your feet stuck. But God says, I'm breaking that off of your feet. I'm shaking the dust off of you this morning, and I'm getting you into a new level and into a new place. He says, you're going to make an appointment with me and say, Lord, I'm going to want to see you every Tuesday. God says, come on, dare, I dare you this morning. Make a date with me. Make time for me. Say, Lord, Lord, it's me and you Tuesday morning, 9 o'clock. It's me and you Wednesday night, 10 o'clock. I'm going to take an hour, and I'm going to just wait on you. It's date night. Me and you, Lord. We're going to be making time together. And I'm saying, Lord, here's my heart. Here's my life. Here's everything. Watch what God will do when you make time for Him. God says, I'm shaking it off this morning. There's a freedom and a health that God wants to release into this church. Some of you, you're just feeling sick. You're not feeling at your peak. You're feeling tired. You're feeling all these things. We're shaking it loose this morning in the Spirit.
Your faith's gone cold. You don't believe God for those things anymore. You're just living from day to day. God says, I'm a, I want you to live from here to here, from decade to decade. I want you to dream again about what the next 10 years of your life is going to be. I want to shake that loose in your life. I want to bring some water in. I'm going to flood some of your, your hearts with my presence. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. In the name of 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 Jesus. It's not always going to be the same. God says, I'm going to change things around. I want to make it easier. I want to bring things in place. It's not always going to be difficult. So many days, you're like, it just doesn't feel like you're getting ahead. God says, do not lose faith. Do not stop believing. Do not stop trusting. God says, I am going to open the doors. I am going to bring things into place. It will not always stay the same. You will not always live at the same economic level that you're living at, the finances. God says, I'm going to give you breakthrough. I'm going to open the doors. Trust me. Trust me and see what I will do. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, man. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to say this morning as you finish Nehemiah was a slave in the king's house he was a slave he was working for a king and then God moved in his heart for his nation and the city of Jerusalem God moved in his heart he's a slave and he starts dreaming about restoring his city. Now, I want you to get this. He starts dreaming about restoring the city. I believe I'm speaking something to, you, to some people here this morning. And then he goes to the king. And he says, I feel my city needs, I'm hearing all the stories. I want to go and rebuild the city. He's a slave who now negotiates with a king about restoring a city. He's a slave who, when, when God moves in his heart, puts him in a position where he negotiates with a king to release him to go and rebuild a city that would potentially be the downfall of that king. But yet in that moment, because God moved in his heart first, God put him in a position to negotiate with a king. He says, Lord, I believe some of you this morning, God just wants your heart then he'll do the rest. You're thinking, Lord, how am I going to be able to do that? How am I going to be able to go there? How is that going to happen? God says, all I want you to do is just give me your heart. Allow me to grow it in your heart first and see what I will then do when I put you in a position where you'll be able to negotiate with kings. 
But Trace's message, her and Dave this morning, was from a place where we said, we'd like to go back, but it doesn't seem possible right now to go to Belgium. God puts people in place. It stirs in their heart. God moves upon it, and every other door starts falling into place. And God's still not done, but He moves in your heart. Lord, I just release that over everyone this morning. As they put you first, I thank you for what you're going to do. I pray it in Jesus' name. Bless them today. Amen.